Well, we are continuing our series called The Invite. The Invite is about inviting people to faith and inviting people to church because those two aren't necessarily independent of each other. Um, so I will put up with God willing. Hold your fingers. There we go. <laughs> Success, technology, rules, <laughs> the invitation. So uh, here's the other thing that I found out when we did this invitations and honesty survey. I asked the question up front. Uh, if you're not inviting people to faith and to word serve, what, what's holding you back? And we gave you some options and some fill-ins. And here's the overarching thing that we found. It's either that we just don't think about it or we're not sure how to do it without offending people. So my goal today is to give you some very practical, super easy ways to invite people to faith and to church, and then to get us thinking about why should we even bother, because it's important. So I'm going to do a highly technical secret poll. Now, now here's how the secret poll works, all right? And here's the, here's the question that we're going to start with. Before you react, here's the question. How confident are you in sharing your faith with someone else? That's the question. Here's the secret poll. It's on a scale of 1 to 10. Most of you I know have 10 fingers. So what I'm going to ask you to do in just a minute is hold up your number. How confident are you in sharing Christ with others, your faith with others? It's on a scale of 1 to 10. 1, I'm not very comfortable. 10, I am the God or goddess of sharing my faith. All right? Now, I don't want you to be embarrassed because other people are going to look and start comparing numbers. You're going to do that one eye sneak. Oh, he's got four. I've got five. Yeah. It's not a competition. So here's the secret part. We close our eyes, we get our number, we raise our hands, and we leave it there so Bill can do some quick math, and I'll give you the results, and I'll tell you to open your eyes. Deal? Deal. Deal. All right, so on a scale of 1 to 10, 1, I am not comfortable at all. 10, I am as comfortable as can be in sharing my faith. Close your eyes, get your score ready, lift it above your heads, and hold it so I can do some quick math. Thank you. All right. I would guess the average was about six. Now, let me ask you this. On, uh, any teachers in the room? Teacher. Okay, great. So uh, on a scale of 100%, what is 60% in terms of a grade? Fail. Oh, my gosh. We're failing at the most important mission that we've got. By the way, I would put myself there, too. I'm right there with you. My gifts and talents... Um, are kind of bizarre. I get that, but I'm more on the discipleship side of things. These are two things that go together. There's evangelism and there's discipleship. They go together very nicely. Does that mean that I don't have to worry about evangelism because that's not necessarily my gift? Well, I'm going to let you tell me by the end of the sermon. I'll give you a hint. No. <laughs> there you go. See? All right. So, so here's the thing. We all have to be a little more comfortable. Now, my goal for you today is to have some very practical ways that you can share your faith. And I'm going to ask at the end of the sermon, how many of you feel at least one more digit comf more comfortable in sharing your faith by the end of today? All right, so my goal is to move us one step to the right, whatever that is, maybe two, maybe three, I don't know. All right, so here we go. This is a picture of someone sharing their faith with Christ. They look pretty confident. They look pretty sure of themselves. But here's the two big factors that I find that inhibit people from sharing their faith or from inviting people to church. It's about confidence and competence. Confidence is, I don't really feel too sure about this. And it's a variety of reasons. It's a variety of things that might keep us from doing that. 
um, it's just easier not to share my faith, right? If I have confidence or not, because how are people going to look at me? Will they not invite me to the parties that I used to get invited to? Will they look at me and talk under their breath and make fun of me? Will they, they call me names or just, just kind of generally exclude me? That's all possible. In fact, I've experienced that in my life where people know that you're a Christian and all of a sudden you don't get the invites that other people get. And, and very practically speaking, in networking, in this business of networking, sometimes you get cut out of circles and you miss opportunities. At least that's the way the world looks at it. In my mind, we get way more opportunities when we're in line with Christ. But hold that thought. Let's just face it. It's easier not to share my faith than it is to share my faith. The other thing that brings me down sometimes is competence. Am I competent to share my faith? In other words, if I share Jesus and they ask me a really tough question, will I know the answer? If they ask me, oh, so you're a Christian, right? Then why do you live this way? And, and it's not a way that I should be living, and they know it, and I know it. I just don't feel competent to share my faith that way. I mean, as soon as they start picking apart my life, they're going to find all kinds of stuff. And folks, I'm telling you that as a pastor. So this is, this is my way of saying I, I get you, right? Don't feel that you're the only person out there that has holes in your life, maybe doesn't always live or say the things that you should say or behave the way that you should behave. This is what we call being human. And Jesus Christ has accounted for that. So relax, first of all, about confidence and competence. We're going to explore that. Now, before I go any further, I need to ask, uh, answer this question is why should I even bother to invite? If it's so uncomfortable, if it's so unnatural, if I'm going to be made fun of, why should I bother? Well, there's, there's two reasons. One is there's a thing called the Great Commission. If you've been here over the past few weeks, you've heard ad nauseum about the Great Commission. It is to go make disciples, teach, and baptize. It's not the great suggestion. Right? It's the great co-mission. It's our mission. It is the sole reason that we exist. So if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to call ourselves Jesus' followers, then we have to be on mission with Christ. If we're not on mission, we're Jesus' fans, but we're not Jesus' followers. There's a big difference. Now, let me pause and ask, how many people feel inspired to go f share their faith because I told you you have to? Exactly what I thought. Yeah, that just doesn't do it for me either, right? Oh, 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 wah, 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 wah. I'm going to share my faith. <laughs> it's not fun. And it's not fun for the people that you perpetrate this on either, right? They're like, oh, my... I thought you were supposed to be full of joy. Why do you look so heavy burdened, right? So let me offer a, a couple of other suggestions. And the first one is a little dark because, let's face it, I'm a little twisted, all right? If I don't share my faith, then they're going to grow fruit of some kind. And, and we've seen it. And it's not good. It's hatred. It's envy. It's strife. It's all the things that when we attach ourselves to the world and we don't know Christ that are allowed to grow inside us. Not just us personally, but us as a community, us as a culture even. And so if we don't share the good news that we have, we take the risk of some crop growing that we don't want to grow. And if we can nip it in the bud early, we don't get this nationwide civil unrest. 
we actually get peace. Now, am I saying go out and conquer this and shut this down? Well, if people have Christ in them, then they know self-control. They know peace. They know joy. They know gentleness. They know kindness. I don't have to worry about that. There's no law against such things. I think Paul said that, pretty sure. So one of the reasons that I want to share with other people is I want to live with other people who think and, and live the same way I do. They live with that fruit of the Spirit. They get it. The other reason is uh, it, it just makes my life so much more, I don't want to say easy because it's not an easy life, but it's a, a confident life, confident in Christ. So more on that in a second, but uh, I, I want to use a passage that Paul writes. It's going to be uh, in the Second Corinthians if you're playing the home game. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm actually going to read verses 1 through 6. And let me set the stage while y'all are looking that up, Word Serve Nation. If you want to tag on to the uh, link that will show up in the comments, you can follow along 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 6. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. You'll notice it says 2 Corinthians. That means there must have been a 1 Corinthians. What you may not know is Paul actually wrote four letters to the Corinthians. We only have two of them. Because I understand that the actual number two was a barn burner. It was some heated words because here's what happened. They were off to a great start. Now, Corinth was a vast city. They had all kinds of people, not unlike Houston. It was a very international flavor, lots of business, lots of trade going on, which also means there were a lot of ideas floating through that society. So Paul and his folks planted a great church. They were off to a good start. And right behind that, as soon as they got going, there was another group that came in. There were actually many groups, but this one particular group that he's addressing today was called Judaizers. Judaizer, Judaizer, yeah. They were uh, people who followed the law. And so they came right behind Paul's message of grace and freedom in Christ and said, nope, it's about the rules, folks. If you're not following the rules, you're not, you're not right. You're not saved. And so Paul writes this letter to say, no, 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 wait, it's not about the, the letter of the law since Christ has come. It's about the spirit of the law. And here's the words then that Paul has to say to the Corinthians, and, and we'll work our way through that to see how it applies to what we're talking about in sharing our faith. <clears throat> here's what Paul says. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are the letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ our God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Paul has some great points, does he not? He talks about uh, a letter of recommendation. So it was common practice in those days, especially for the people that came behind Paul, to come with a letter of recommendation. In other words, uh, you can't look up somebody's Facebook profile. You can't see them on Twitter or Instagram to know what they're all about. Uh, they didn't have that. 
So the only way that they could come with credentials is with a qualifying authority writing a letter saying, this person knows their stuff, listen to them. And they would send them out to a congregation and the congregation would get this letter. Oh, this person's famous and it says that they know what they're talking about. So they must be for real. So what Paul is asking up front, he says, do we need letters of recommendation from you or from anyone else? And what he's, his point is, is subtle but not so subtle. Don't look at, at Paul. Don't look at if he's following the rules or not. Look at the results of Paul's ministry. Look at you, Corinth. Look at the church that we planted. Look at your lives, how they reflect the glory of Christ, how they reflect the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law. That's the letter. If you want to look at that, you'll know if, we, if we're recommended or not. As he comes down here, he talks about uh, being written on hearts versus being written on tablets. He's obviously talking about the tablets being the Ten Commandments. The people that came behind him were so much into the law and so much wanting to weigh people down with that burden of the law, the return of the Pharisees. I mean, if we're going to make a trilogy, this would be number two, return of the Pharisees, right? So this is what he's talking about. No, 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 it's not about that. If Christ is in your heart and you're living the, the spirit of the law, you don't need that stone tablet anymore. Christ is alive in you. The Holy Spirit is guiding you, and he's alive in you. Against such things, there is no law. Now, does that mean that we're lawless? No, that's probably a whole other sermon series. Maybe that'll come in the fall. It's not an excuse to do whatever. What it is an excuse for is to be led by Christ. If we're truly led by Christ, everything else flows. And that's what Paul is basically saying. So what does this have to do with reaching out and sharing our faith? Well, if no one reaches out and shares faith, like I said, that other crop will grow. Or maybe it's a, a supposedly good-looking crop. It's that letter of the law crop, like, oh, you've got to be all about the rules. Mm, maybe not. I want to tell you a, a story, a, a tale of two sowers, if you will. <clears throat> maybe. There we go. Nice. So here's the thing. Uh, you've heard this before that a lot of times sharing the word of Christ is like sowing seed. And Jesus asked us to be seed sowers. There's two kinds of, of sowers. There's the worldly sower and there's a godly sower. Let's start with the worldly sower. If I'm a worldly sower, I want to grow that crop for a specific purpose. It's probably either to make sure that I feed my family or if I'm in a professional role, I want to make sure that I make money doing this. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a lot of research. I'm going to buy some really expensive equipment like this guy in the upper left corner that plants not one seed, but like a bazillion seeds a minute. The Binford 5,000. Oh, 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 oh. Right? And more than that, I'm also going to start doctoring the environment. So I'm going to prepare the soil. I'm going to measure the pH. I'm going to throw some chemicals, some fertilizer, some, some uh, I sort of say disinfectant. That is not right. Pesticide. <laughs> yeah. Lysol. Yeah. No wonder the corn tastes funny. I don't know. So uh, I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to uh, manipulate the crops. I'm going to maybe even genetically modify those crops. Now, uh, caveat here is, it, Bill, are you saying that GMOs are evil? Not necessarily. But I'm saying anytime you doctor with nature, there may be unintended consequences. And ask any nutritionist what happens when you start modifying what nature made and what it starts doing to our bodies. That's a different time, different sermon.
But all that to say, this worldly sower is doing all these things to control and manipulate the environment to grow the best possible crop to get the best possible income. Is that bad? I don't know. It's feeding people. It's feeding a lot of people. In fact, if we didn't do some of these things, we'd have some starvation going on. So let's compare this then to this godly sower. Here's the main difference. Jesus asks us to sow seed, period. He doesn't ask us to do it on just a certain soil or to spend lots of time preparing the ground. He doesn't ask us to manipulate the, the rain and the, and the water and the, the care of it. He just asks us to sow seed. And he even knows that some of that seed is going to go on hard ground and not take, but he asks us to sow anyway. If that's my business, I'm not going to sow seed on hard ground. That's a waste of a seed. But God doesn't see it that way. God says, sow anyway. Let me prepare that ground. Let me have that seed do its work. And you be, may be amazed at what crop grows out of that seed that you thought was worthless. Just as much as you might be surprised at how worthless the seed that you thought was going to be successful is not. Jesus just asks us to sow seed. The other thing that I would be worried about if this were my business is I can't just be throwing out seed. That's money. I'm tossing money out. But we have an endless supply of seed in God. We're not paying for it. It's paid for. It's the good news of Jesus Christ, and it's as abundant as can be. It never runs out. It's like Doritos. Sow all you want. We'll make more, right? You cannot run out of this seed. So why are we so stingy with it? You know what I think? I think it comes back to confidence and competence. We're not confident in sowing seed, or we feel like we're not competent. I don't know what to do with that seed. What if it fails? People are going to see that and go, ooh, that's Christianity. It looks like a weed. But bear with us here, because it really boils uh, down to the, the three C's, these three C's today. The first one is covenant. When I think of my confidence and my competence, it all goes up into this big umbrella of covenant. God said that he has a plan to save the world. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we could experience freedom. He made a covenant that that is what happens. When you believe, you get eternal life. That's God's covenant. Now, do you think God is confident and competent enough to make sure that his covenant happens? If anybody says no, let's talk after the service. <laughs> okay? God's got it covered. And just like Paul says, I don't know if you caught this, such confidence we have through who? Through Christ. And... Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from who? From God. The same God who said, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this truth that sets people free. I'm going to send my son to die on a cross. That's confidence and competence. All I've got to do is join in the party. It's not about Bill. It's about God. His covenant gives me confidence and Competence. Now, let's break that down just a little bit. If God says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. I don't have to beg, borrow, plead, and steal with God. He'll do it. That's my confidence. And he'll do it the way he wants it done. If that seed that I threw on hard ground gets picked up by that animal and eaten, okay, well, I'm just going to keep sowing because that's what God has asked me to do. 
He's, I'm not the seed counter. I'm not the bean counter, <laughs> so to speak. Sorry, accountants in the room. <laughs> the competence. And here's, here's the biggest thing that strikes me. Many people won't invite people to, to church, won't invite people to faith because I don't know enough. Well, folks, when are you ever going to know enough to know all of God? When are you ever going to know enough that somebody's going to ask you a question that you always have the answer to? I, I actually rejoice when people ask me questions I don't know the answer to. I know, I'm weird. But you know why? Because now I'm motivated to learn something new. Now my faith gets expanded. If you've ever been a part of a Bible study or a community group, and you have been out in the world sharing your faith or inviting people to church, and you get this question that you can't answer, man, you take that back into that group and you go, hey, here's a good one. I heard this one. What do you all think? Let's search the scriptures together and let's come up with an answer. Man, your Bible study just got put on steroids. Your Bible study just got turbocharged, right? And now it's not like, oh, we're reading through the book of Numbers again, and yeah, this is so exciting and life-changing. No, it's not. But answering a question that's for real, like somebody actually wants to know this, and community group or a group of friends or whatever circle you hang in, we're going to get together and answer this. Now your Bible study comes alive, and it's exciting. That's what I mean by, by competence. Don't worry so much about knowing everything. And here's, here's nature's uh, indicator, if you will, right? This seed, if I throw this seed out there, do I need to tell it what to do? Do I need to say, hey, you know, at some point the light-dark cycle is going to be so much, and at that point you need to send roots out. Oh, and send the roots down. You don't want to send the roots up. Oh, and look for water. If you don't find water, it's going to be really hard for you. And, oh, and, and when you start to sprout the leaves, make sure that you point them towards the sun because that's where you're going to get your energy to draw more water. I don't need to do any of that, right? That is all contained within the seed. The seed knows what to do just as the Word of God knows what to do. All we have to do is put the seed out there and let the Word of God do its work. You've heard me say several times before, I'm not in sales, I'm in the advertising. Right? God does the sales. I just advertise. I just sow seed. I get that seed into a place where they can accept it, and that seed will do its work. That's my competence. I don't have to know everything. You guys know me. I don't know everything. Right? That doesn't stop us from doing the mission at hand. So have confidence that God will do what he said he will do. Have confidence in the fact that the word of God knows what to do. All we do is put it out there for them, and God will do the work through that seed. That's confidence. That's competent. So I have learned that if I stand this way on one leg... So, so, so what? What does this mean for me? Well, one of the ways that we can increase our confidence, competence, and witness when we invite people to faith or we invite people to church is to live a changed life. Our life is one of the best things that we can put forth. Now, do I mean perfect life? Like we never sin, we never do the wrong thing? No. In fact, I think a life that is authentic is a real life. I don't know anyone that's on 100% all of the time that always acts in a holy manner. I know you guys, <laughs> and you know me, right? This is the way this works. 
But in that, there is hope for those people who are struggling with the same things that we struggle with. They don't see a picture of unattainable perfection. They see a real person that's trying to live their faith the best that they can, and the Holy Spirit guides them back with a continuous pull of grace and forgiveness. And if, okay, when we fall, we have the power to dust ourselves off, and the Holy Spirit sets us back up on that path, and we go again and again and again. A changed life. Now, this new life is going to cost you your old one. You can't hold on to the past and live into this new life. And I'm telling you, this new life is like no other. It's going to be exciting, challenging, maybe even difficult. What it won't be is like the old one. Maybe that's why we say life is different here at WordServe. So our changed life can be a factor, but not a perfect life. The other thing that uh, can make a difference is changed lives. And what I mean by that is that we look at us as a community. If we look at us as WordServe Church, not only how am I as an individual, how are we as a community? And if you look out on a community and you're hungering for something like God's love, acceptance, forgiveness, truth, whatever it is you're hungering for, and you see that, wouldn't you want to be a part of that? I want to be with these people because they grow good fruit. That attractional lifestyle is going to be the biggest pull and give us the greatest confidence and competence because it's not us. It's God's work in us. So if we look like that, there's no problem inviting people. Is it perfect? Heck no. Is it life? Yes. Is it hard? Absolutely. That's why you don't do it alone. There's a quote by uh, Jay Harris. I left the J off inadvertently. But he says this. He says, proof of Paul's genuineness was to be found not in written characters, but in human characters. And that was the point that Paul was making to the church at Corinth. He said, look around you. Look at, at how you are in Christ. You see a vibrant, growing community, and Paul knows what's coming next. It's all that fruit that we saw. That's our, our letter of recommendation. So let the human character uh, show the, the, our work, show God's work in us is a better way to say that. Let me give you some very practical ways then to share this faith. Let me start with a 96% rule. People don't realize this. Barna Research in the last five years took a poll. 96% uh, teachers, what's, what letter grade is that? A. a, almost A plus. Not that I would know, but that's what I hear. 96% of unchurched people would accept an invitation to church if they got one. The problem is they're not getting invited. For whatever reason, we're embarrassed. We don't know enough. We're not confident enough. We're not competent enough. Throw that all out the window. 96% of unchurched people are waiting for an invitation. Invite them. How do you do that? Here's some very practical ways. Wearables. And what's wearable? In modern terms, it's called merch, right? So when I went to the, uh, the, the uh, Freedom Fest last night, I wore my WordServe t-shirt. Uh, and you're thinking, Bill, I would love to have a WordServe t-shirt. What's with the t-shirts? Well, stand by. They're coming. And if that's not enough, we'll throw in a free set of knives. No. We're, we're <laughs> the hats. We're going to get some hats. Now, why is this so immensely practical? Let's pause for just a second and behold the WordServe logo. I actually used this last night twice on, on occasion. There's two things that people need to know. WordServe, what's with the funny name? 
because you can never separate the teaching and preaching of the word from the serving of the world. We put those two things together. And that's the way that we live out our faith. They feed on each other. One informs the other. That's pretty easy. But how many people really know what that picture means? Anybody know what the picture is? Okay, original people, you can't speak. (laughs) But here's the thing. Just like we had kind of forgotten what our mission was, and that's my fault as a leader. I wasn't reminding us enough. We've kind of forgotten what our picture means. So I'm here to remind you today that when you wear a WordServe wearable, by the way, did I mention T-shirts are coming and we're going to give them out for free? Yes. Yes, they are. When you wear this and people ask, what's with the symbol? Picture a book like this. You see the binder at the bottom. Now, here's, here's the churchy way that I would describe this. We believe in the preaching and teaching of the word. And we believe that just like when Jesus says, those who hear and do the word build on a solid foundation. And when we apply those words, those words take life. They become alive to us. And as we begin to have life in those words and we apply them to our lives, we begin to live out and serve the world. And the way that we serve at the very top becomes a light. Let your light so shine before men so that they can see and glorify God. Not that you get credit, but that God does. Now, how many people can remember that and would be willing to share that with an unchurched neighbor? Me either. I just made that up. No, (laughs) not really. (laughs) But I have an unfair advantage because, like, this is what I do, right? I mean, you you guys have busy lives, so let let me share it a different way. We believe that there's guidance. It's in a book. We believe that when we apply this guidance, it comes to life. And when it comes to life, it points the way to a way that life is different. Would you like to know more? Can you remember that? Yeah, see, it's easy. Just rehearse it in your own way, in your own words. But that's what this symbol means. That's what wearables can do, and it's super easy. I did it twice last night, and I'm okay. I don't need any counseling or anything. All right. Other ways, if you're socially, uh, social media inclined, you can check in on Facebook. You could do that right here. I checked in at WordServe Church today. People will know that you're a member. Like and share social media. When you see good posts out there, share it with people. Uh, faith conversations as you go. Uh, I was talking to a guy at jujitsu the other day, and I said, hey, I haven't seen you in a couple of days. Where you been? I went to the Grand Canyon. I said, oh, tell me about it. That was so amazing. I mean, have you ever been there? It's like... God just painted this thing, and if you touched it, it would scratch the screen. I was like, yeah, God does some amazing things, doesn't he? And that that led into that faith conversation. He said the G word before I did. I just tacked on. And so we begin to have a conversation about faith. There's ways that you can do that. Small actions. Don't underestimate the power of those small actions. Uh, I told you before about the the time that uh, I had surgery and was kind of in a drug-induced coma, and I looked out the side, and there was this guy who looked exactly like Matt Clanahan mowing my lawn. It was the weirdest thing ever, and it was. <laughs> he just came over and mowed my grass. That was cool. I said, Matt, you are such a servant. Could you do my laundry too? Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't say that, uh, but thank you. Uh, those little things that you can do, take people a meal, mow a lawn, uh, send them a card. Who doesn't like getting a card, right? We get so many e-whatevers. That handwritten note, though, that's something. Any small act is an opportunity to show that faith. So don't, under, oh, don't overestimate. Let your light shine so that God gets the credit and the glory. That's the way we roll. Now, as we go uh, on with this and we, we look at how to do this, 
uh, there's a couple things that we need to uh, make sure that we know. Uh, caveat, if you will. The great irony in all of this that I've said today is you don't have to do a thing of this to be saved. And I think that's where we fall short. Because if we're all about me and I just want to be saved, none of this, you don't have to do any of this to be saved. All you have to do is what? Admit, believe, confess. The ABCs of faith. But if we're going to call ourselves Jesus followers, if we're going to create a community that we want to live in, this is essential. If we're going to create a world that I want my kids and grandkids to inherit, this is absolutely essential, unavoidable. So you don't have to be saved. Uh, you don't have to do this to be saved, but there's more. If we love God and we love our neighbor, uh, that's what that looks like. So it's worth a little bit of discomfort uh, to me in my mind. As I look at Jesus on a cross, that's a very definition of uncomfort, uncomfortable. He did all that so that we could experience this freedom. What are we doing with the freedom that he gave us? Now, that's a great question because sometimes I fall short. But I am also fairly confident that he will do what he said he will do. I'm pretty sure that uh, I can be confident in that. I'm pretty sure that the word of God knows exactly the work that it needs to do. All it needs is that entry that entry into the heart where that seed can be planted. If we can help God do that, and it's not that he needs our help. This is the thing that blows my mind. He's not relying on Bill Hogan to save the world. He sent his son to do that. He's inviting Bill Hogan to be a part of this adventure, to create the kind of community that we want to live in, to create a community of grace and truth and forgiveness and trust. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful place to live? Sounds like a place that I would like to say that's life that's normal, but unfortunately, in this culture, it's a life that's different. Oh, by the way, that's on the word serve wearables. Another opportunity to share faith. So if I were to sum this up in just three words to remember, go, sow, and grow. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for Jesus Christ's example. Thank you for the freedom that he gives us at great cost to be able to sow that seed. God, forgive us when we fail to, but give us confidence that you are who you say you are. Give us competence from you, knowing that your word knows exactly what to do. And God, as best we can, we will try to equip ourselves to be the best possible representatives of you, but at the same time, we recognize we cannot do that of our own accord. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us here so that we might reflect who you are so that your light may shine before everyone and you will get the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.